Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 42, the how and the why of the Tao. From Tao arises one, from one arises two, from two arises three, and from three arise all things. All things leave behind them the obscurity of yin and go forward to embrace the brightness of yang and inherit the blending property of the two harmonized polarities. What people dislike is to be called solitary, unworthy, virtueless, and yet those rulers regard them matching to their status. So those things are benefited by being harmed. Others are harmed by being benefited. While others have taught their precept, I have my own. The violent person shall die a violent death. I will make this the basis of my teaching. That's verse 42 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Shi Fu Huang. Next, let's break it down. So this verse seems pretty disparate in its parts. Further on in the episode, we'll kind of tie those all together. But suffice to say that there's three distinct parts to this verse. And so let's kind of look at each of those one at a time. Part one talks about the how and the why of the Tao. Part two talks about the counterintuitive Tao. And part three says, well, ego begets ego. And I'll kind of explain how I get there. All right. So part one, from Tao arises one, from one arises two, from two arises three, and three all things. This is basically Lao Tzu laying out the initial set of the universe. 
the Tao. And from Tao arises one. And I think what he's talking about is he's talking about the whole paradigm of the yin and the yang. Because then he says, well, you know, one arises two. So one basically splits into two parts, which is the yin and the yang. And then from two arises three. And that three is that motion that we see that's going back and forth between yin and yang. And he says, okay, from there, everything kind of comes out of that, right? So that's sort of, that's, that's what I feel like he's getting at in the first part there. Now, the second part, he talks about kind of like changes, seemingly changes gears, right? Okay, it's a gear change. It doesn't seem like it. it's a gear change. Um, he says, what people dislike is to be called solitary, unworthy, and virtuous, and yet they regard them matching to their status. So those things are benefited by being harmed, and others are harmed by being benefited. Okay, so this, of course, is counterintuitive. Um, and I think what he's getting at, basically the um, the philosophy of rulers in China in 2500, insofar as I know, um, is that the philosophy of Tao and incorporating that into leadership was all pervasive. And so we're seeing an echo of that right here. So I think what he's really getting at is, hey, look, if you want to be the ruler, you want to be the person in charge, cool, but you're going to be alone. You'll be unworthy to do it. Kind of like that whole, it's lonely at the top thing. Only it's not a quaint saying in this part. It's an actual real thing that Lao Tzu is talking about. So more on that later on in the episode. Now the third part talks about Violence. So how does violence and ego kind of go together? Well, I kind of feel like what Lao Tzu is saying is that a violent person dies a violent death, meaning that, you know, if you're violent all the time, you're going to be, you'll die by violence, basically. And I was just kind of extrapolating a little bit. So if violence begets violence, then ego begets ego and selfishness begets selfishness. Kind of like those, you know, you are what you attract kind of thing. So those are the parts of the verse today. And uh, so let's go ahead and wrap it up. And we'll say that um, there's three things that, that we're really getting at here. And part one says, it just talks about the how and the why of the Tao. And part two talks about the counterintuitive Tao, as usual. And part three says that violence begets violence or I like to say ego begets ego. So let's put that all back together. I'll read verse 42 again. From Tao arises one. From one arises two. From two arises three. And from three arise all things. All things leave behind the obscurity of yin and go forward to embrace the brightness of yang and inherit the blending property of the two harmonized polarities. What people dislike is to be called solitary, unworthy, virtueless, and yet those rulers regard them matching to their status. So those things are benefited by being harmed, and others are harmed by being benefited. While others have taught their precept, I have my own. The violent person shall die a violent death. I will make this the basis of my teaching.
Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering the how and the why of the Tao. The first thing is that one and one equals three. <laughs> Number two is that it's lonely at the top, so why not stay in the middle or at the bottom? And number three, the danger of trying to control things. One and one equals three. From Tao arises one, from one arises two, from two arises three, and from three arise all things. What is this? Does Lao Tzu even math, bro? (laughs) I'll admit that at first, as usual, this seemed like a puzzle. So after reading a couple different translations and commentaries, I started to get a feel for what we're looking at. It'll help us to kind of map it out first. So let's imagine the Tao as the seemingly benevolent intelligence that is there, but not in the physical or non-physical universe. You know. The Tao that can't be named. (laughs) We talked about that in verse (laughs) 1. Let's say that out of this precondition, yin and yang popped into existence. Okay, so now we have two. And the third thing is that interacting motion of yin to yang and back again. Lao Tzu says that this is what creates the universe and the sometimes referred to 10,000 things. A lava lamp comes to mind as I'm trying to visualize this. In fact, that's the image thumbnail for this episode. If you've never seen one in action, go ahead and check it out on YouTube. It's kind of cool to just watch, kind of serene. Anyways, it looks like an upside-down cone that you can see through. There are two colors of liquid that are in it. One of them is clear, and the other is actually kind of wax. And they don't mix, just like oil and water don't mix. So in the off state, the wax rests on the bottom. Once the lamp is turned on and the bottom heats up, the wax rises to the top, only there's no heat there, so it gradually cools down and falls down to the bottom again. And it goes through this cycle for as long as the lamp is turned on. So the idea of this thing could be compared to the Tao. The lamp itself is the one. The wax and the transparent liquid are the two parts to it. And the heat? Well, that seems like the third thing. All the things humans do with the lamp, making videos, having parties, talking about it in podcasts, are the 10,000 things that come out of this simple interaction. Alright, so this need not be a purely esoteric concept. Let's apply this to our own bodies. My consciousness... That thing I can name but really can't put my finger on. That seems to be the Tao that makes stuff on my level. Now what about the two, the yin and the yang? Well, yin could be my thoughts, my intentions, or it could be my very essence. Yang, of course, can be my physical body, all the organs and blood vessels and senses. And the motion between them all? I like to think of my breath as that motion. Always in and always out. Interestingly, I can breathe both consciously and unconsciously. The breath is one of those things that gives life and meaning to this interplay between yin and yang. But why are we talking about all this? What does this have to do with anything? (laughs) Like, for the rest of the verse. Uh, 
Well, as we'll see in the next two sections, this concept plays out in the realm of rulers and people of violence. The basic idea is that there's always a unifying natural balance that is achieved between yin and yang. As participants, we can experience this on many different levels. Lao Tzu talked about two, the head of government and the head of forces. So let's have a look at the head of government, its relationship to the one, two, and three of things, and then push into a deeper meaning. It's lonely at the top, so why not stay in the middle or the bottom? Think back to the last TV show series you watched. Maybe it was a fantasy adventure involving ice zombies. Maybe it was a show that took place during the founding of the Ottoman Empire. Maybe it was a documentary on Kublai Khan in the 13th century. Or maybe it was a science fiction show where there was a starship, captain, and crew. (laughs) These stories contain different perspectives in them, don't they? In an episode, we might see things from the individual's point of view. You know, the person on the ground just trying to live life. Another perspective can be the mid-level functionaries and seeing what their lives are like, managing tasks, their own positions, orders from above, and consequences from below. And of course, we usually get to see the perspective of the leader, the one in charge. I like how all these perspectives come together to give us a holistic view of what the writers are thinking about. And whatever show you're watching, Have you noticed that the leader's role is vastly different than the rest of the roles in the show? Conversely, the person on the ground's perspective and the mid-level functionary's perspective are always centered around the forces that control their lives, namely the leader and the leader's thoughts, consequences, and impacts. It seems that those people's lives would be so much easier if only they were the leader in charge of things. They could avoid many hardships. Perhaps they strive to be the ones in control of things, either emotionally or in carrying out plans that will get them to the top. Now, let's consider the leader at the top. When we are in the leader's perspective, the leader doesn't have it so easy. The leader is usually occupied with other forces outside of the kingdom, the starship, or on the other side of the wall. The leader is also, almost always, trying to stay alive. (laughs) always threatened by people inside of the organization vying for the leader position. Okay, so maybe not in the Starship shows, but you get the idea. The leader is always listening to the people around, always trying to filter out influences in pursuit of the right decision. In any case, there are two perspectives in these shows, one from the non-leader and one from the leader. The good thing about the non-leader is that life is as simple as the character chooses to make it. The bad thing about it is that the character's life seems to be at the whim of the leader. The character sometimes wishes that leadership roles were reversed. On the other hand, the good thing about the leader's life is there is an opportunity to care for many people and create a good kingdom or organization. The bad thing is that people are always vying for the leadership position, and a lot of the job is just staying safe. The leader sometimes wishes that the burdens of state do not exist. Lao Tzu says in this verse, 
What people dislike is to be called solitary, unworthy, virtueless, and yet those rulers regard them matching to their status. So those things are benefited by being harmed, and others are harmed by being benefited. Rather than making a point about how the grass is always greener on the other side, I think Lao Tzu says that there are balanced trade-offs everywhere. That thing, situation, or person we want probably only represents a tiny piece of the whole package, like all the time. So if I'm in a situation right now where I'm unsatisfied and I'm looking for a new or different situation that would leave me of this one now, aren't I just exchanging trade-offs? In verse 40, we talked about embracing the yin or the ebb of things. And I wonder if we can apply that principle to situations we don't desire knowing that there's always something that seems non-optimal. In an argument at home, if I was right, what responsibility would that carry? Would I need to show and guide others who are wrong? If I was wrong, what would I need to do? Learn as best as I could in the moment? At work, taking on an ambitious project would do much for my position, but there's a lot of work, maybe too much, Staying good at my job and supporting the organization in the best way possible might be the easier thing. And what about with friends? Being popular is exhausting because there are so many people that look up to you. Why not just be a part of the whole? One and one make two. The two make three. And the three create the universe. The leader role and the non-leader role make a cast of characters. The characters make the show, and the show helps me gain a new perspective on life. And to summarize that on a personal level, I am. My current situation and my desired situation create conflict in me. The conflict creates thoughts, words, and actions. Those things shape my life and the 10,000 things around me. The danger of trying to control things. We saw in verse 31 that violence begets violence. Lao Tzu says that the violent person dies a violent death in this verse, and that's what he'll teach. That seems, at first glance, just a reiteration of verse 31. But if I know anything... It's that while this is true, there's always another meeting. <laughs> That's why I love it. So let's remember that we're already comfortable with this idea and look towards another implication. One of the ones that resonates with me is that ego begets ego. Have you ever walked into a room where there was a lot of ego? You could feel it. The air's tense, people are excited, and usually discussions focus on the speakers. For me, it's difficult to ignore this, and I usually find myself either falling into the, quote, judgment of others for self-justification thought patterns, or falling into the, quote, I am nothing and nobody thought pattern to counteract the ambience within myself. When I can, I remember to observe what is happening without judgment, and then I can set the egoism aside and try to be present. So... (laughs) Ego begets ego. Selfishness begets selfishness. Action begets action. 
And would it also be true to say that non-action begets non-action? Love begets love? How many times have we heard about people paying it forward to those who are less fortunate? A seemingly insignificant ripple in the pond of life. These kindnesses extend far past their initial targets and go out to affect countless other interactions. So what's the big lesson in this verse? Well, I've read several commentaries that say the verse shouldn't have been broken up this way, <laughs> that it really should have been divided here and there, and that the entire Tao Te Ching was one big long thing anyways that somebody else divided into books, chapters, verses, whatever. Sometimes I like to mash up messages, one from this text, one from the other, and see what the overall implication can be. And I feel like regardless of how disjointed this verse may seem, we can still look to it to find some truths. In the first part, the one-on-one of the universe, we broke down the manner in which ebb and flow flow. The second part, we say that there are trade-offs no matter what. So in some circumstances, we can relax and accept the trade-offs of our current situations without becoming distracted as we walk our own personal journeys along the way. And the third part says, if you take action on things from a selfish or self-centered motivation, you'll have that returned in your interactions with others. Of course, this is wide open to interpretation. But here's mine. We're basically getting an explanation of the how and why of harmony with the Tao. How to stay in harmony? Well, we've had plenty of good opportunities to consider this. 41 of them up until now. But why? Why move toward harmony with the Tao? This question's a little more subtle. I mean, we've talked about the gifts of the Tao, and maybe we've talked about that peaceful feeling we get when in harmony, but we've never really said this is why you should do it. And I feel like we can address that here. Quite simply, Lao Tzu seems to be telling us that it's because the way things are. Harmony is desired and better because that's just how the universe works. Not as satisfying as an answer as I would like, but there we are. If we can remember that everything, to include the little Tao universes within us, are always in motion, we can stop taking unnecessary action and be present with the gift that is consciousness. And when we do that, attracting that which we emit, we will be peaceful and have an easy time of life. We will be open to the beauty of the 10,000 things. We will see and feel and experience things of which we never dreamed because they're simply right in front of us, right now, hidden in plain sight. We have but to notice, and then participate. And that's why we seek harmony with the Tao. So to wrap up my experience with this verse today, and considering the how and the why of the Tao, I thought about three things. Number one is one and one equals three. Number two is it's lonely at the top, so why not stay in the middle or the bottom? And number three was the danger of trying to control things. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of the how and the why of the Tao in this verse today. At the beginning of this year, I started questioning why I was actually here on earth. I'd realized that I'm not my body. I am not my thoughts. I'm not my words. All of that. What I was left with was this corporeal existence I was having, and I really couldn't figure out what the point of it was. I pondered, I read some things, <laughs> and talked with some people. 
And at the end of it, seeing how I was still alive, I came to the conclusion that I'm here to participate. That's it. So that helped me be okay with this cosmic circumstance in which I find myself. Chalk it up to a part of the journey. (laughs) If that's the case, and I'm here to participate, I can be assured that the Tao provides every experience I need to be here fully. So, when I find myself in a situation that seems undesirable, I can ask myself, is the circumstance, situation, or the way others are treating me, is it just something I'm supposed to learn from? Or am I doing something to cause it all so I can learn? Here's what I think that question's got to do with this verse. The motion of the yin and yang creates the universe. I am of the universe. Therefore, I am the universe. There are others who are the universe as well. Our perception of time binds us to a linear corporeal existence to allow us all to learn and experience different things. Your journey is specific to you. Mine is crafted for me. When we look at others and their situations, and we find ourselves wanting what the other person has, be it material, people around them, or social position, we can remember that not only would a situation like that contain trade-offs, we can also remember that our positions or circumstances may be enviable to others as well. Further, we can remember that each aspect of our trade-off represents this constant motion, this ebb and flow of things. If I were to paraphrase this verse into language for today, I'd probably say something like this. There is no need to do anything except participate in the universe. Stop wanting more. Allow the Tao to provide everything that you'll ever need. Be here for your life. Set aside violent or selfish pursuits by concentrating on being aware of how you can bring the Tao to others. Move into harmony with the Tao. To close out this episode, I'll leave you with a final reading of verse 42 of the Tao Te Ching, translated by Shi Fu Huang. From Tao arises one, from one arises two, from two arises three, and from three arise all things. All things leave behind them the obscurity of yin, and go forward to embrace the brightness of yang, and inherit the blending property of the two harmonized polarities. What people dislike is to be called solitary, unworthy, virtueless. And yet, those rulers regard them, matching to their status. So those things are benefited by being harmed. Others are harmed by being benefited. While others have taught their precept, I have my own. The violent person shall die a violent death. I will make this the basis of my teaching. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. 
One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.